future is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto value. My name is Charles Story. I'll be your host for the next 15 minutes, coming live from the city of London, Shoreditch. So let's get down to business. Let's kick things off today by talking about what's going down tomorrow. Tomorrow, we are hosting an event in the city of London titled The Future of Blockchain. The event will be kicking off tomorrow between the hours of 6 and 8 p.m. So it'll be an evening event taking place at WeWork Bishopsgate in the city of London. So let me give you a little bit of a flavor of who's going to be speaking. There's going to be two separate panels there. We're going to have the Women in Blockchain panel hosted by my co-host, Jess Holgrave, who's the co-founder of Shios. On the panel, we're going to have Tiana Baker-Taylor, who's the director of Global Digital Finance. Anastasia Bell-Evia, who's the co-founder of Fabric Ventures, one of London's largest venture capital firms. Sarah Friedman, who's the chief product strategist at Clearmatix, a really, really interesting firm here in London that you have to know more about if you haven't heard about already. So the second panel is going to be talking about gaming, the future of decentralized gaming. On that panel, we've got John Knight, VP of Partnerships at Block V. We've got Robbie Young, CEO of Animoca Brands. Animoca Brands recently did the F1 game that had the non-fungible token component built in that we covered on the podcast. Some really exciting things going on there. James McQuillan, journalist for Blockchain Gamer. Shane Kehoe, co-founder of SVK Crypto. And of course, Oliver Mayer, blockchain analyst at SVK Crypto as well. We will be taking some time to bring you up to speed of our recent investment into Azurus and why we're excited about Azurus and what the future applications of Azurus that we see having on the entire cryptocurrency space and the gaming industry as a whole. Some really exciting stuff. I'd love for everyone to turn up. We have we nearly sold out, to be honest with you. Um, each event that we do, we're blessed to be in the position where they sell out pretty quickly. So we have a few tickets left. If you would like to attend tomorrow's event, we'd love to see you there. Feel free to go to Eventbrite, type in SVK Crypto. You will find the event there. Or alternatively, email myself, cstory, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y, at svkcrypto.com. So listen, with that in mind, let's jump in today's show. Um, two stories I really want to focus on. One is talking about uh, Stonewalled by FINRA. Up to 40 crypto securities wait in limbo for launch. What does this mean? What's currently going on? And what does this mean for the space in general? Number two, we're going to be discussing Bitmain and the lawsuit that seeks millions from staffers who founded a rival mining pool. Is it right that Bitmain are suing staff for leaving the company? And we're going to be discussing this in more detail. So listen, with that in mind, let's jump into today's show and let's get right down to business. So let's talk about FINRA. Let's kick things off and let's discuss the elephant in the room. So blockchain startups basically waiting for approval from US securities regulators are getting restless and wondering what what's with the holdup. So the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, FINRA, Wall Street, self, Wall Street Self-Regulatory Organization, SRO, um, has sat for months on some 40 applications from companies to touch cryptocurrencies. Numerous people who deal with the agency told media sources today I was blasted all over the different media channels. So basically, some startups have been waiting at least a year with a few standing by for as many as 14 months without seeing any movement from FINRA three sources said. So several industry members believe the regulators have set an unofficial 
well, term on these approvals among this group. Some think that FINRA is waiting for clear guidance from the Securities and Exchange Commission, or commonly known as the SEC, on how cryptocurrencies are to be treated under securities law. Others are firmly convinced the SEC has explicitly told FINRA to hold off. Still, on the other hand, you know, others say the delays are not a sign of reluctance on the regulators' part, but are likely unavoidable and stem from the newness of the asset class. Either way, the result is that a few dozen companies are waiting in regulatory limbo, despite efforts to launch regulated blockchain products in the US. So FINRA Director of Media Relations, Ray Pacella, said in response to media queries today, membership applications from firms proposing to engage in digital assets business present new complex issues, and we're in the process of working through them. So the SEC did not respond to multiple requests for comment. To be sure, the SEC has been actively engaged with the industry, with both commissioners and staff members repeatedly asking for input on various issues ranging from custody to market manipulation from the crypto community. Still, nine individuals who spoke to media sources on condition of anonymity to avoid jeopardizing the relationship with the SEC said that neither FINRA or the SEC have been stowalling company approvals. These individuals include legal representatives or startups trying to acquire these approvals, employees of companies who interact directly with the SEC, and other groups which conduct business with these firms. So the crypto industry is still young. You have to remember that. With a limited number of regulated financial products, startups are looking to change that by registering as broker-dealers to offer some form of tokenized securities to U.S. customers. First, though, these companies must pass the gauntlet of regulators. FINRA is a non-profit private organization which approves broker-dealer and licenses individuals to represent these firms. As an SRO itself is overseen by the SEC, the nation's federal securities exchange. So by extension, FINRA also acts as a gatekeeper for qualified custodians and alternative trading systems, ATS, as companies hoping to become either most usually first secure broker-dealer approval. Broker-dealers in the US are able to buy and sell securities, both for themselves and for their clients. Qualified custodians and entities, well, they're basically entities that safeguard these assets while ATSs facilitate the trades themselves. So technically, FINRA only approves broker-dealers, not qualified custodians. However, companies are required to be registered broker-dealers before they can apply for the latter registration. And while FINRA oversees the governance of ATSs, these entities must register with the SEC, which may publish the registration application for a public comment period before the companies can begin operations themselves. So crypto exchanges such as Coinbase have previously been interested in launching ATSs to list security tokens, or at least tokens that are explicitly securities for clients. Similar exchanges may look to become qualified custodians to store crypto assets on behalf of institutional investors, which are neither allowed to handle custody themselves, nor inclined to deal with cryptographic private keys. So Coinbase, Gemini and BitGo are regulated qualified custodians in the US. However, Coinbase and Gemini are licensed through the New York Department of Financial Services and BitGo is licensed through the South Dakota Division of Banking, meaning none of these firms went through FINRA. So, you know, as the ATS startups are hoping to hold security tokens or tokenized securities for institutional clients by becoming qualified custodians, but even the prerequisite broker-dealer approvals have been elusive for them. So, like... 
there was one lawyer whose client had um, gone back and forth with the SEC and FINRA, called the situation frustrating, as the holdup essentially prevents companies uh, looking to conduct business in accordance with U.S. regulations from doing so. You know, to add injury to insult, the lawyer noted the SEC has frequently expressed concerns of market manipulation and other fraudulent actions in the crypto space. But on the other hand, you have the SEC complaining there's all this market manipulation of bad actors. But on the other hand, they won't let good actors come in and clean things up. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. It's the lesser of two evils. The company, well, the client company is now looking to conduct business in outside of the US. It's really sad. We've always prided ourselves on operating within US regulations. The lawyer said, but we have to exclude U.S. citizens and U.S. companies and share our skills abroad. Then that's what we'll do. The last point has been echoed by startups for months now. Last September, Consensus's Joyce Lay warned a group of lawmakers that other jurisdictions may be more attractive than the U.S. due to clearer regulatory statuses. Lay told media sources that regulatory inaction can prevent startups from getting off the ground. Regulatory clarification, or lack their lack of, is a huge hindrance that can weigh heavy on the minds and potential purse strings of founders, she said in an interview last week. So, though it is possible that FIMRA is declining to approve most broker-dealer broker broker dealer licenses right now on its own vo- violation, several individuals told media sources that they believe the SRO is acting at the SEC's request. Legally, the SEC is... Or, or has the authority to reject any rules FINRA proposes, though the latter is usually allowed to operate autonomously, said Justin Diella, a partner at Dewan Morris LLP. So this is a really tricky situation because on one hand, you want people to build out and grow and build their projects out. But on the other hand, the regulator is stopping the approval. But the regulator, you have to remember, is doing its job. It's protecting the investors out there from any potential scams. But guess what? They don't move quick. And something like the SEC or the FCA here in England are massive, massive institutions. And it takes a while for them to understand the space. It takes a while for them to to draw up the regulatory clarity because they're not going to just bring up within five minutes like a set of 50 rules that you have to apply by. Everything is thought out. Everything is then brought to a committee to, to be discussed. It takes time, and that's okay because that's just part of the process that we're in. But obviously, for other entrepreneurs and startups in the space, time is something that they don't have a lot of, and time equals money. <clears throat> a lot of these guys are burning through cash, waiting and waiting and waiting for the SEC to move, and the SEC moves in their own time. Then they're not going to be pressured from 40 entrepreneurs looking to get their license. So let's discuss one of the other breaking stories that's been circulating in the last 24 hours. The story that Bitmain lawsuit six millions from staffers who founded rival mining pool. So cryptocurrency mining giant Bitmain is locked in a legal battle with three former employees who started a rival mining pool. Bitmain, the owner of BTC.com, the world's top Bitcoin mining pool by hash rate, is suing co-founders of Poolin, the seventh largest pool, for allegedly violating a non-compete agreement. And it's demanding $4.3 million in damages from one of them. For their part, the three Poland co-founders. This was Bitmain that terminated the agreement in the first place. Now, it gets really interesting because basically um, the three collaborators left Bitmain around mid-2017 under the non-compete agreement. 
Bitmain would pay monthly compensation to Pan after his departure of about $2,780 for 24 months and in return prohibit him from specifically operating a Bitcoin mining pool. The compensation for the other two under such agreements was not clear from the court video. And by the way, if you look at the profits from a large-scale Bitcoin mining system or pool, that dwarf, like the $2,780 is nothing compared to the potential revenues and profits from that. So like it's, 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 you'd think that he wouldn't accept that deal. Like there must have been something else there. So after the departure from Bitmain, Pan Zhao and Lee launched Poolin as mining pool for multiple cryptocurrency assets in November 2017. They didn't launch a pool service for Bitcoin until July 2018 when they mined Poolin's first block of the largest cryptocurrency by market cap. It had since grown into one of the largest Bitcoin mining pools based on facts agreed on both sides of the case and presented to the court. As of February 2000, uh, sorry, February 14th, 2019, Paulin was the third biggest operator by hash rate in the world after BTC.com and Ampool. All told, miners connected to Paulin have mined 26,825 Bitcoin worth $220 million at today's prices. Notably, Paulin's share of the hash rate had dropped since then to about 8.2%, and its rank has fallen to number seven based on the current distribution of Bitcoin's network computation. So subsequently, Bitmain like, alleged that such conduct violated non-compete agreement and demanded that Pan return all paid compensation, as well as a fine of $667,000 for re-engaging. I think it's absolutely ludicrous that they're trying to establish this back from ex-employees themselves. But it shows you kind of where Bitmain is currently at. They've had a lot of bad press out there. And I guess what they don't want is their top-tier talent leaving and starting a rival that overtakes them in the future. So they're going to do everything in their power to stop that. So listen, with that in mind, that's a wrap. i got to bounce. Thank you for your time and attention as always. If you have any questions or queries, feel free to hit us up on Telegram, SVK Crowd. Email myself, C-Story, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y at svkcrypto.com. And with that in mind, we look forward to seeing you all there tomorrow. That's a wrap, and I've got to bounce.